there's no excuses. I, I can't forgive myself. Mr. and Mrs. Batman, the dynamic duo may become a trio. The Queen of Diamonds aims high. Find out tomorrow whether she misses or misses. Same bat time, same bat channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the start. Oh, hold on, I want to start again. Can we start again? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, okay, here we go. Welcome to the Style Guide with your host Dave Morris and Stephen Orr. How are you today, Stevo? I'm good, Dave. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I like that you're trying to change things up again because you're sick again, right? <laughs> I'm just. I don't know. I'm just trying new things. You know, stick and move, right? Got to keep keep new things on the on the go. Man, it 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 throws me off and makes me uncomfortable. But I guess you're okay with that. Totally okay with that, and uh, especially today. Because we're doing something kind of neat today. We're talking about uh, we're talking about wait for it cliffhangers. Yeah, I made it. I made the intro a cliffhanger. Yeah, we're we're talking conceptually about the idea of a cliffhanger episode or or uh, the film, the end of film. something. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and not not specifically cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone, the movie about the mountain climber. No, no, we're not talking about that movie at all. A movie that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, so. if we did, no one would know what I was talking about. <laughs> so it would be a usual episode of the Style Guide. Heyo. Heyo. So, yeah, today we're talking about cliffhangers. So, like, when, it, when an episode ends with, like, a like uh, someone walks out the door and they say, uh, mm, are they coming back? And then that's where the episode ends. Something like that, where, where there's a question unanswered, right? That would be a great cliffhanger episode where you're just curious if the main character is returning. That's all. Oh, that happens. That's one of that's a cliffhanger. It's true. You're you're not wrong. In the sitcom uh, community. Oh. At the end of season two, they end it with with uh, Pierce leaving the study group, and he walks out, and Jeff is like, "He'll come back." In five, four, three, two, one. And then he never comes back in, and that's where it ends. Solid. Yeah, pretty solid. Pretty solid cliffhanger. But that that's a good example of a cliffhanger where we the audience are left wanting more and more and more excited to watch uh the next the season that comes up next or the the movie that's coming out next. Yeah, and I think it's pretty important to emphasize that that's the kind of cliffhanger we're talking about. We're not talking about those that are designed to not be resolved. So something like the end of the Angel television series. Yeah. Or or the end of even the Firefly TV series that just kind of stops. It's We want more to the next season, but there's no more season, so uh, mm-hmm. that's just the end of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because those aren't really, like, questions that need to be answered. They're just like, now you can imagine the rest of the story from here. <laughs> Although Firefly yeah. left a lot of questions unintentionally. Yeah, yeah. But we're really talking about those that are meant to... Uh, pull the audience in for another season so that they come around to to come up they come around to the next season or in the case of something like the old Batman series the next episode or they even come back after the break cliffhangers are not entirely uh, necessarily these long drawn-out things sometimes they can be they much shorter yeah, for sure. It could be wait till the next episode. Yeah. yeah. Tune in next tune in next week for same bat time, same bat channel. Yeah, and it's and it's uh rare uh to see them in in books and movies, but less and less so these days. I mean I'm 
thinking the end of book four of Harry Potter, where we find out that Voldemort is back. Like, that's a mm-hmm. pretty big bomb to drop right at the end of the book. Or something like, well, you know, Star Wars Episode Five, or The Hunger Games, or any number of these kind of trilogy or quadrilogy uh, movies nowadays are are increasingly moving towards having that sort of hook so that you come to the next one. And I remember when the fourth Harry Potter book was the the newest one, like when the five, six, seven hadn't come out yet. Because then it really was a cliffhanger. You couldn't just buy the next book. You had to wait the year and a half to get the next book. And hearing Dumbledore just like list off all these names of all these people to gather up got me so excited. Yeah. When he's like, uh, contact Remus, contact this person, uh, get serious. Uh, like he tells all these people who, who to find. Oh, Sirius was there. But he like, you know, contacts all these people. And you're like, oh man, what's going to happen in the next book? And you have to wait. Oh, what a good feeling. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why book four is one of my favorites. It It leaves me wanting more in a way that I don't think any of the other books did and... And that cliffhanger there at the end, I think, is partially responsible. Mm. Sure. Cool. Um, so you uh, you blew past a bunch of them there with Empire Strikes Back, et cetera, et cetera. But that's cool. <laughs> we can just fly through. Because, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I think one of my one that I think is funny is the Back to the Future. Yeah. The original one. Because that wasn't meant to be a cliffhanger. That was meant to be just like a comedy ending. Yeah. But then the movie was successful enough that they made the sequel and then they had to f- figure out what happened, which is why that movie is so, the second one's so weird with them going to the future and then the past. <laughs> like, it's so weird. But Back to the Future 2, I, I think that cliffhanger is awesome, where Doc gets struck by lightning. Absolutely. I think, I think that's an example of a cliffhanger that shows we have a vision for where we want to go next. We want you to come along with us and we want you to be excited about it. Whereas the cliffhanger, quote unquote, at the end of the first one is just dumb. It, well, it's a joke. It's a comment. It's a joke. It's like, we've got to go back to the future. Your kids. Something's got to be done about your kids. And it's fun and it's funny, but it's not like it doesn't really make you go, ooh, I wonder what it happens next. Whereas the second one, you really do like the lightning bolt, the car disappears, a car pulls up in the rain, someone gives him a letter, and he reads the letter, and he runs to find the old doc, and the old doc passes out, and that's where it ends. How cool is that? Yeah, and, and for me, watching watching that now, it's easier. Watching that in theaters when it came out, that would, I mean, that would be both exciting and intensely frustrating, I think. Oh, uh, it was awesome. Uh, and because what happens is, is right afterwards they show a trailer for Back to the Future 3 because they already had the trailer made. Right, right. <laughs> and it does that shot where it like the, the totally out of Once Upon a Time in the West where the camera goes over the the entrance to Hill Valley and you see the town and it's like empty and you see Marty walking in the Western stuff and it shows all the cowboy things and you're like, it's a Western? <laughs> oh, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it's that it's in some ways goes back to that serial storytelling style where novels would be written one chapter at a time and released one chapter at a time and each chapter was meant to hook you towards the next one which is how things like the count of monte cristo got written and (laughs) and why reading something like that all in one sitting is strange and a christmas carol got written like that too 
Yeah. A lot of, a lot of Charles Dickens was written like that. And yeah, and also like those old serial movies and stuff like Buck Rogers in the 21st century and things like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they did such a good job of ensuring that the audience was willing to tune in next week by the, by the next issue of whatever and, and, and really keep paying attention. And, and it's one of the reasons why reading The Count of Monte Cristo, which I did this last summer, was so strange for me because like the, the end of every chapter was like it was this exhausting hook. And they aren't even really chapters, right? And are they? Um, I mean, they not. Yeah, it's, it's not still long. kind of just like a short story, but yeah. But like each section kind of ends with like a ooh, You're like what? What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so it, it it gets kind of you you get tired of it in a way that I I don't find myself getting tired of something like the the cliffhangers that we see on television, partially because they don't often do cliffhangers for you know every episode no they don't yeah you're right they it's usually concluded every episode uh and so the cliffhangers kind of stand out more like so like so that's something i wanted to talk about before we get into specific cliffhangers really uh was the the idea of this binge watching generation we live in yeah and our cliffhangers losing their 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 you know gumption or are they getting even more gumption? Because if you think of like, if you binge watch an entire season of a show and get to the end and there's a cliffhanger and the next season's not out, does that make the cliffhanger even bigger because you're used to just watching straight through? Or do we not care too much about cliffhangers? You know, that's a, it's a, it's a good question. And I, and I spent the week thinking about it back and forth because did you ever watch the, the show 24 with Kiefer Seller? Kiefer Sutherland? No, I didn't. I, I never got. I never even really tried. I think I watched one or two episodes because my parents were into the to the series, and each episode ends with a cliffhanger, more or less, for the mm-hmm. entire season, and then yeah. seasons will end on cliffhangers as well. Mm-hmm. And that just it it strikes me as an exhausting way to watch television, and so. But at the same time, 24 was, you know, insanely popular and everyone tuned in. And then you look at something like Lost, which also used cliffhangers uh, judiciously to to really hook people in. I I think it's, it's, it's hard to say that they're dying off. I think some of the most popular programs are rooted around cliffhangers. I guess I mean like, like in this immediate future, like present, like... Like I'm saying, like the last like two three years. Oh, okay. Because well, like, it like cause I, I was gonna ask you about Lost because I never watched Lost, but I know you did. Yeah. And so, and because from what I understand about Lost, it is it does have that cliffhanger nature to it, like Twenty Four did, <clears throat> where there was always a mystery, and then you had to watch the next episode to find out what happened. I mean, like soap operas, right? Soap operas are written the same way, where every episode some new information comes out, and you have to tune in tomorrow to find out the next. But since it's so daily, it's hardly got cliffhangeriness to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been watching uh, Jane the Virgin. Um, do you? Are you aware of it? No. So it's it's um, it, it's a kind of a not it's it's not a mock telenovela, but it's it's it, I mean it's almost played straight, which is is it's it's very much indebted to the soap opera style where. Every episode is meant to really have a bomb drop that throws you to the next episode, and the end of the season has done it. But the thing about Jane the Virgin is that 
it's it's a self-aware telenovela, so it calls out the fact that it's doing cliffhangers and and that sort of stuff, and so it's very meta, hmm. and it it makes it so that I can watch an episode and it can drop a cliffhanger without the end of the episode making me have that intense anticipation. Like there's almost a satisfaction when they're like, we're going to give you a cliffhanger now. Here's a cliffhanger. That feels as much like a resolution as anything mm. else. Mm. And so it, it ends up being really interesting. Yeah. Like is, um, is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, and this is, I guess we're like, cause most of the TV I watch now, I watch in chunks of like five or six episodes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't just watch one episode a week anymore. I have I don't have a I don't have a, a, I don't have cable, so I just stream and find things on the internet. So uh, and I, I don't think I'm one. Of, I don't think that's rare nowadays. I think there's a lot of people that do that. And so like the cliffhanger nature of what television used to be, where you would like you know every week you'd have to tune in at this exact time, otherwise you miss what's going on. Like Heroes, remember Heroes? Mm-hmm. That TV show, that's a TV show, a lot of the episodes end with a what's going to happen next week kind of feel. Uh, and those kind of shows, when I watch them streaming, like when I watch or when I watch them binging, they feel kind of goofy with the, the fact that it always ends with what's going to happen next week because you just click the button and you're watching, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so the anticipation isn't there at all. So like cliffhangers have, have a bit of like a... In that, in that sense where it's like every episode, it, ha it has like diminishing returns. Is that the right use of that phrase? <laughs> like it's really great when you're watching it week to week. But then as soon as you can watch the whole season, it's not nearly as effective. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's right. And, and part of that has to do with the idea of the cliffhanger being to, you know, give someone an entire summer of anticipation so that they're, they're thinking about it and ready to watch when it returns in the fall or whenever. Mm -hmm. And and so that if you don't have that anticipation, that that building feeling of oh what happens next, it it makes the next episode somewhat of a letdown. I think you're you're right in that. Yeah, because like I watched uh, Battlestar Galactica um, a couple of years ago. I don't remember when exactly. Yeah, and that show ends with quite a few cliffhanger things uh, at the end of every episode. Yeah, to try and hook you to keep watching for the next week uh and binge watching it was like exhausting yeah because it was so dramatic and so intense and so many horrible things were happening but also there'd always be like this this kind of cliffhanger feel at the end of it and then you'd have to watch the next episode and you'd watch the next episode and it was just it just got really it, it, it didn't it didn't uh i'm sure it was much better watching it one week at a time yeah i watched the entire run of battlestar galactica in real time so to speak mm -hmm. and that i i have you know strong memories of of spending time debating you know what happened in between seasons with people even debating what happened from week to week you know who was a cylon who wasn't it, is it the end of season two where they they settle on new caprica and the cylons all show up and yeah um... Baltar is like the present. Yeah, that that was a huge cliffhanger. Yeah. It was a huge cliffhanger where you where they jumped an entire year into the future and they said everything is falling apart. See you next season. And it was this this great feeling for those of us watching real time because 
we got to really think through the consequences, how people got there, what it meant, all sorts of stuff. Whereas if you could just tune in to the next episode, I think the the payoff is less. Yeah, for sure. Because that's how I watched it was just being able to tune in next. Yeah. Yeah, but that was a pretty huge cliffhanger. And I, I guess like in, in the Netflix world, ending a season with a cliffhanger still has an effect. Right. Because I think we still do when we binge watch, at least I do, there's this kind of like seasonality to it where I am keeping in mind the season I'm on. Like when I just recently watched the West wing, right? I knew that season three was almost over and I was like, well, I might as well watch the last episode. Cause you know, I'm, I'm like right here before I go to bed. And then you watch the last episode of season three and it ends on a huge cliffhanger and you're like, Oh man, do I watch season four now? Or do I wait till, uh, and you're left having to make that decision. <laughs> Cause to me, I do end at seasons when I binge watch. I don't know about you, but I tend to. Uh, and so the cliffhanger does still work where it hooks me to make me want to watch the next season right away. Or I have to make that decision. And then like, do I buy the next season now or do I wait? What do I do? And then you get stuck in there. And that's what a cliffhanger should do, right? Yeah. And the West Wing is is a good example because it's so rare for them to do cliffhangers within the season itself. There are one or two multiple part episodes but even those are rarely cliffhangers in the sense that we're really talking about. Yeah, because I mean, there's, there's a difference between a cliffhanger and just a continuous story. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, I think, yeah you know. Uh, a, a continuous story, it's just you want to see the narrative unfold and you, you, you're awaiting the natural story. Whereas a cliffhanger is almost like they pause at an unnatural moment or they pause at a a time when it's the most tense so that they can um, when it's at the peak of its intensity so that you can get that payoff when they come back yeah for sure and and the west wing it's great because like i remember is it it's season one that ends with the shooting it's what happens at the end oh yeah season two ends with the the fake cliffhanger of whether he's gonna run again yeah. <laughs> Season four ends with the president, you know, stepping down. Like there, mm-hmm. there are great instances where everything is very intense and the show is is really doing everything in its power to to leave you at this moment of intense, intense anticipation. Yeah. And you want to tune into the next the next episode because it it is going to pay off that anticipation. Well, and you know, something funny about the West Wing, and this is something I, I've been thinking about with all, like a lot of the cliffhangers that uh, I was writing down, thinking about cliffhangers. Uh-huh. So, so many of them are actually fake cliffhangers. Like at the end of the West Wing, when they all get shot, right? Like the president gets they shot. They all get shot, but yes. <laughs> spoiler alert here. The president gets shot and Josh gets shot. And maybe Mandy. Hopefully Mandy. Mandy got hit right in the head. But the president and Josh get shot. They rush to the hospital or whatever. And that's where it ends. Now, but we all know that the president's not going to die. And that Josh is not going to die. Because they need to be there for the show to continue. Yeah. So the anticipation of like, oh man, are they dead? Isn't really that terrifying. You know? Uh, but 
it feels like it's terrifying, even though it's not. It's like this fake, false cliffhanger, right? Because we know how television works now. Uh, and same with like the the one where is he going to run again? Of course well, he's yes. going to run again. Of course he's going to run again. Because if he doesn't, there's no show. <laughs> And same with at the end when he steps down, it's like, well, is he going to come back? Of course he's going to come back. <laughs> like, he has to. <laughs> uh, I think that one is the best one, the season four one, because it it uh, we don't know what's going to happen next because the president's not in charge anymore, right? And that's kind of like, ooh, we know he's going to come back eventually and everyone's alive, but but we can't predict where the story's going to go. And that was that was a fun cliffhanger for me. Yeah, and the 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 is he going to run again one is a particularly dumb one because it I don't think it was ever meant to be a cliffhanger, you know. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Cuz throughout the episode like they make clear if he was going to run again, these are this is the way he would show it. And hey, look, he does exactly what like yeah. um and and so it it felt very strange. And so that that I think is a either a bad example of a cliffhanger or just a bad cliffhanger. Mhm. But when at the end of season one when he and josh gets shot or the end of season four when he steps down we know that there's going to be a return to some sort of normal the the status quo of the show but we don't know how it's going to get there and i guess that's the exciting part like josh was never going to die if if josh was to die at the end of season one or the beginning of season two that would break the show in a lot of ways but we don't know how it's going to get to Josh back into his normal position, you know, the president back in his normal position. Yeah. And I guess the best example of kind of what this is would be the end of Sherlock season one with uh, in the pool with Moriarty and the bomb. Yeah. Where, of course, Moriarty is not going to blow up himself sherlock and watson like <laughs> that would end the whole thing yeah that would end everything that we know about sherlock how they get out of that is is the is is what the cliffhanger is same mm -hmm. thing at the end of season two when sherlock jumps to his death sherlock is of course not dead well yeah because we even see a shot of him at the end of that episode so we know he's not dead so the question is how is he not dead yeah and they don't even answer that properly for us and yeah. and i think that kind of shows the ideal of a cliffhanger. It's not that you, it's not this kind of Game of Thrones, you wonder who's going to die or how they're going to die. It's how are we going to return to the world that we once inhabited? Is that even possible? And in some cases, like Sherlock or the West Wing, it is. And in other cases, like Battlestar Galactica, it's not. And, mm -hmm. and the world changes after the cliffhanger so much that it can no longer be the same. Yeah, like so. I guess it almost sounds like there's there's a couple kinds of cliffhangers, like there's the the like I guess explicit and implicit. I don't know how to change to 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 distinguish, but like one is there's an explicit question that we have that we need to answer, and others are we know what the answer is, but we don't know how we're gonna get there. Yeah, you know, so like one being, I think, uh, like the the West Wing. One, the bad example of, are you going to run again? And he puts his hands in his pockets. And we all now want to know the answer to that explicit question. Yeah. Whereas something like when they all get shot at the end of season one, we know they're not going to die, but how are they going to survive and who shot them? And there's a lot of uh, implicit questions around there, like hidden questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Does that kind of make sense? 
Like the end of Sherlock season one, how are they going to get out of it? End of Sherlock season two, um, how and we know he's alive, but how is he alive? Yeah. So like those two different questions. And it's funny how season three, the end is even, it's the exact same question as the end of season, season two. How is Moriarty back? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we, he is back in some fashion, but how is that the case? What, um, what's, what are we, what are we missing? Um, or, or what have they not told us? And, and how are we going to get there? It's the same question as the end of season two. Yeah. Hey. Well, and this leads me to something else about cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Is that sometimes cliffhangers are a huge letdown. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Sherlock, <laughs> did you watch season four? I have not watched season four yet, but I'm oh. pretty sure oh. it's going to be a letdown. I watched the first episode and went, I don't need to rush through this. Well, well there you go. That's the letdown. Yeah. You, so you got the letdown part of it where Moriarty's not actually back. Yeah. Right. And and you're like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> and not what I was hoping he was back, you know? Uh, so like cliffhangers can, can, uh, when you delight the audience with the answer to the cliffhanger, uh, is amazing. Whereas when you let them down with it, it's an extra letdown. Yeah. And I guess that makes me think of, I I know we're bouncing around a lot, but that makes me think of, uh, how book four isn't really a cliffhanger in that sense, right? Like you're not curious how Voldemort got back. Um, or whether he's back, it's he's back, and the narrative continues. Yeah, that's why I would I would put it in like that implicit cliffhanger place where like there's no specific question we need an answer to. Yeah. But we all are wondering a lot of things about what's going to happen next. Now that now that Voldemort's back, what's going to happen next? And that kind of forces us to think a little differently about it. Whereas, yeah, it doesn't end like the end of. Uh, well, um, like when Snape kills Dumbledore, for example. Yeah. There, we have a very clear question, not whether Dumbledore is actually dead, but is Snape a good guy or a bad guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think that's a good example that does both. It We have questions about Snape and his character, but we also have questions about how the world could possibly return to the status quo, how we could yeah. get back to things. And the real answer is that we can't in the Harry Potter series that represents such a, a big change that everything is undone. Yeah, and it totally does change the, the structure of the stories for book seven. It's a completely different structure. Yeah. It hardly follows the school year at all. Yeah, and cause, because there's no way that it could, really. Mm-hmm. A, a, good, a good storyteller recognizes when something has changed so fundamentally. And, and I think that gets to your point about uh, cliffhangers that are letdowns. It's when... A cliffhanger, when the payoff to a cliffhanger just says, you know what, we're going to we're going to just bring things back to the way they were. Yeah. And and Sherlock is a good example of that. Right. Where Moriarty's back. If he's back, that there are some fundamental questions that need to be answered about the nature of the Sherlock universe that we're living in and what we've been told. Mm hmm. Or you make him not really back, and then we can just return to the status quo. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest letdowns for me, uh, do you ever watch Castle, Nathan Fillion? I, I do watch Castle. Murder, She Wrote for Boys. Um, it uh, End of season four, I think. Uh, might be season three, but I think it's season four. Maybe it's even season five. Who knows? The end of season four, let's call it. Uh, when Beckett quits the right. force. Yeah. Because she can't do it anymore. Because she's hunting this guy that's trying to get whatever. You know, she quits. 
and you're like, oh man, and that's the season finale. She quits. What's going to happen in the next season? Is she, oh my goodness. And then the next season is like her and Castle kind of going rogue with uh with esposito trying to help him out and they're like they've gone rogue trying to hunt this guy down and they're you know it's 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 awesome but then like two episodes in or on the second second episode i think it's a two-parter that she goes back and starts working at the police station again and it goes right back to what it was before and you're like oh well that's unfortunate because it would have been amazing if they actually went rogue for the rest of the series Well, and I felt that way about Battlestar Galactica too. After they landed on New Caprica, I mm-hmm. thought that that at the time I thought that that was the boldest choice I had seen on a television show ever. Yeah, where they were taking the crew off of the Galactica, and we were going to thoroughly explore this new world. And maybe we would eventually get back to Galactica, but it was going to be a we were, we were going to be changed. And they did, like they did spend some time on New Caprica, but more or less by halfway through the season, we were back to the status quo where we had been, you know, relatively recently. And and I always, I always felt that that was a bit of a letdown in that they could have played that out more and really, really explored that. Although maybe not the best example as well, because... Galactica is a good show, a good example of a show where consequences matter and and the events that happened on New Caprica definitely echoed through the rest of the series. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. Cool. So um, there's one other kind of cliffhanger that I don't even know if it counts as a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So like so, so cliffhangers are, are specifically like it's not just the story it continues in the next episode. It has to have some kind of hook that's making us wonder what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. So Kill Bill Volume 1 ends with a cliffhanger kind of but it's more like a bomb gets dropped uh remind me how it how it ends kill bill ends volume one uh if i'm not mistaken uh if it's not the very last thing it's close to the last thing it ends with her saying it's your baby or something okay yeah and bill and and when and when she gets shot in the head um but it might have actually started with that in volume two so forget that one because i know it ends with bill on the phone asking eyepatch girl does she know her daughter's still alive right right so yeah because i think i think actually number two starts with her saying it's your baby whatever so but the bomb being dropped of like does she know her daughter's still alive which now tells us the audience her daughter's still alive we know something she doesn't know holy cow what a what a revelation and then it ends so it's kind of a cliffhanger because the story is going to get continued afterwards. But it's more like instead of asking a question, it just reveals something. Uh, gives us a big revelation that we get to ponder between movies. Would you call that a cliffhanger or would you call it something else? Um, I mean, I think, I, I, I think it fits, right? It's, it, uh, another example of that would be something like Ender's Game, right? Which doesn't end with a cliffhanger but leads you leads you into the next world right of the where speaker for the dead is is going to eventually fit in and after the fact you can see the connection but at the time yeah. it's not so much a cliffhanger as it is a it's information that the characters don't have or it's it's something that just drives you to 
to believe that the world is bigger than this one story. Yeah, and, and so the, uh, that revelation that the Hive Queen is alive. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to tell the next story after that, but it's, it, it lets you believe in... It, it, it lets you believe the story is bigger than it is, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to call that the revelation ending. Yeah. Where it ends with a huge reveal that then makes us want to keep watching. I'm sure there's more examples if we start combing the world for it, but that's good enough for me. Well, and I know we're not really talking about series finales, but like that's the Angel, the the final shot of the Angel television series, right? Mm-hmm. The world, it, it looks like Los Angeles is, is going to be forever changed. It looks like all of our heroes are going to die. And it's this exciting question about what next that is never going to get answered. Mm-hmm. And and so it can. I th- I think you're right in calling it a cliffhanger. Yeah, it's pretty. It's exciting. Yeah. What's one of your uh, what's 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 like the first big cliffhanger you remember? The first big cliffhanger that I remember. Like like to me, the first big like cliffhanger moment in my life where like, you, I spent the summer talking about this cliffhanger was The Simpsons, Who Shot Mr. Burns? Huh. Do you remember that? Uh, I do remember it, not at the time, because I was... You were just a little too young for it, uh, yeah. probably. Yeah, but like, because that was a cliffhanger where Mr. Burns got shot. Uh, and that's huge. That like totally destroys the Simpsons world, right? Right. And someone, one of the Simpsons is a murderer. Someone shot Mr. Burns. And then like it kept teasing you all summer with like, who, what, who shot Mr. Burns, who shot Mr. Burns, and showing like like silhouettes of Simpson characters with question marks on their faces and stuff like that, like all through through the summer to get you excited to wonder who shot Mr. Burns. And I remember it being like a phenomenon, like people talking about it at school, people like, you know, like it was a thing we talked about. And that is the first real big cliffhanger I remember. And then they ended up answering it with, uh, I mean, spoiler, of uh, this 40-year-old thing, probably only 20, whatever, uh, that it was uh, Maggie that did it. Yeah, yeah. By, by accident or something. Uh, and Mr. Burns didn't die. So they just kind of reset everything, and it was a bit of a letdown. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the suspense of wondering who shot him was like such a such a, a, a crazy, amazing phenomenon to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that, that, that's a good one. And it's funny, I, I hadn't thought of it at all when we were, when we were prepping for this this week, because for me, it, it almost doesn't read as a cliffhanger because of the way that I experienced it. Like, I think I may have even known before I watched the episode that Maggie had done it. Cause it was a part of, it was a, a cultural thing at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the reveal of Darth Vader being Luke's father. It's, it's one of those things where it's hard to experience that in the moment where, where it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I hadn't, I had not even thought about the Simpsons, but that's such a, a great, it was just my first introduction to like a real cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'd seen back to the future then and maybe even back to the future too, but that had the biggest effect as it, as far as like a, a, a phenomenon amongst people went because nowadays, like you get those, uh, huge phenomenons of like lost, like what's going to happen next. And everyone's talking about it at work and whatever. Uh, you get that more common nowadays, but back then it wasn't really that common to have a TV series end on a huge cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. I guess for me, 
and and this is this is probably this is a guess. There may be some that came earlier, but it would be probably Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was going to ask you about Buffy because I didn't I haven't watched it as much as you have. Yeah, yeah, I watched a lot of Buffy, and I know, like Buffy had uh, a few instances of this, but I th- it was I think it's season four where Buffy like dies. Yeah, I think it's the end of season five. Five, right? Okay, where she she sacrifices herself in order to 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 close some some portal to yeah whatever blah 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 science fiction, but it kills her like and she she is definitively dead at the end of the season, and it's this moment where I believed that she was dead like they had fully had me invest in the world where Buffy had died, and. And I had no idea what was going to happen next. I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't even know how the show was possible after that. Mm-hmm. And and. But they brought yeah. her back. But they brought her back because, of course, they did. Because yeah. you know, I'm, I was young and an idiot. But at the at the time, that was that was a really potent cliffhanger for me. Yeah, that was pretty huge. Yeah. I didn't even really watch the show, and I knew that that happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it's uh, kind of like in the comics when Superman died. Oh yeah, I I do remember that. Yeah, the death of Superman. It became, I think, I think Jay Leno talked about it in his monologue. You know, it was it was a big deal, and and then they came out with the four new Supermans. Yep. Comics, and you didn't know which one was the real Superman, and that was like a big question and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I'm surprised you said uh, Buffy actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about Buffy just to talk about it, but I'm surprised you didn't say TNG. Oh, of course. I, w- I would have expected you to be more of a uh, the Borg uh, Picard episode. Yeah, no that that's a that's a perfect example as well. Where where that one that one shocked me at the time too. Yeah, because that one is more of the uh, the like um, what is it the implicit question I guess not the explicit question like it doesn't end with um, what is Picard going to do as much as it ends with how are they going to get Picard back? Like we know Picard's coming back to the Enterprise, but yeah. how are they going to do it? But that was like a, because I do remember that being a, a cliffhanger, but it wasn't as huge of a cultural phenomenon as the Simpsons were, I think simply because more people watch the Simpsons than Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was pretty, uh, pretty huge. It was pretty huge uh, getting Picard from the Bork. What does he say at the end? I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. And you're like, holy, to be what? To be continue what? Yeah. And Star Trek was a was a pretty big fan of of those throughout its run. I remember a lot of, I think Voyager did it pretty frequently ds9 had it often tng as well where they had these these cliffhanger episodes and i i think in some ways you see science fiction or fantasy relying on it in a way that you don't in other series because it's harder to bring an audience in as is and so you have to keep them you have to keep them strung along because mm. they're oh, genre shows yeah and they they're they're less popular as it is, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You know, my least favorite kinds of cliffhangers are. What's that? The will they won't they cliffhangers. Ah, uh, 
Yes. And I think it's only because they are um, overused and and stretched thin. Like Friends, the sitcom, is built around Ross and Rachel, will they, won't they? Season one, I believe, ends with a huge cliffhanger where we find out that Ross loves Rachel or something like that, right? And it ends with like a, a weird cliffhanger thing there. But then they just keep playing that throughout like the whole seven seasons. And it gets then Castle did the same thing where it was like, will him and Beckett get together? And they played it for like five seasons until they finally got together. And it was like, oh, great, about time. But by then it was like I was over it, you know. It was like, ugh, will they, won't they, who knows. Those are those are my least favorite cliffhangers. Yeah, yeah. I I remember watching The Office, and I think The Office got away with it uh, because they they stretched it out and and just as you were about to give up on the the relationship they give you a payoff on it and and they get together and and it, I think it's rare because because they want the status quo because the status quo is comfortable and it's what the audience is expecting and you want to give the audience what they're expecting from week to week and mm-hmm. and what can you do after Ross and Rachel are together and and the answer, I think, is I don't know, but that not knowing should be exciting in a creative sense, it, as opposed to um, it should should keep you from doing it. Yeah. I can't remember the other characters on Friends because I've only, I, I've seen the series once now. Um, Monica and Chandler get married. Monica and Chandler. Like they, that one, they get together pretty quickly. Yeah, it sort of comes about in like the later seasons or something. Yeah, whether but, whether or not they will, and then they do. Yeah, and and then they are together. Yeah, and they don't stretch it anymore. Yeah, and it allows you to explore their new changed relationship, which I think I think that ends up being more fun than the Ross Rachel. I honestly don't care if Ross and Rachel ever get together, and in fact, I don't want them to get together. Style. Yeah. In, in in fact, I the the funniest episode for me would have been like when she dates Joey, right? Where you're like, oh, cool, you're gonna do something completely out of left field and and play with that, and it, because at least it's different as opposed to are they gonna? Oh, they, nope, they're not working out now again. Blah blah blah. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's why one of the reasons why romantic comedies and I know we're jumping around all over the map are are such an unsatisfying genre in a lot of ways because the end state is is in the genre and so yeah it's predicted from the yeah it's it's told to you from the beginning state yeah and and how they get together is very rarely actually an interesting question because how people end up in a relationship is. I mean, eventually they fall, one of they them fall falls in love. Up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, so you think, need some sort of other hook to get it. Yeah, and the interesting thing of, of romantic comedies is always what what dumb thing is he going to do to screw it up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which they do pretty well. Uh, I don't know. They just screw it up. <laughs> I mean, so, sometimes, sometimes it works effectively, but uh, it it's different when... And, and to go back to the West Wing, the West Wing is a great example of the will Josh and Donna get together, which is never the plot of an episode. Never, yeah. 
but it's always in the backdrop of the characters. It when when Donna is in the the when when she there's the bomb and 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 she's in the hospital. The episode isn't will Josh tell Donna he loves her. The episode is about her recovery and and the politics around it, but his relationship with her is always in the backdrop of all those scenes and it works really effectively because it never is a cliffhanger. Mhm. It's just sort of just keeps building some the will they won't they of it just is kind of there in the air. It's not what the story's about. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to on Friends or even on The Office or whatever, where it's it's such an important part of the story that it can't be said to be hidden. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Empire Strikes Back for a second? Of course. Because it ends with a quote-unquote cliffhanger. I mean, the neat thing about the Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy, is that the first movie doesn't end with any cliffhangers. Yeah. It ends completely concluded, except Darth Vader's still alive. Right. Like the only thing is that Darth Vader didn't die. He got hit and deflected away or something like that. But there's no real cliffhanger at the end. But the story does continue in The Empire Strikes Back, which is really fun. And then The Empire Strikes Back ends with a cliffhanger because by that point they knew they were going to make another one. And the cliffhanger at the end, it's weird, right? Like it hardly feels like a, a cliffhanger because there isn't like one big question we are asking. It just sort of ends with more story to tell. But like Han is frozen. Yeah. Luke is going to see Yoda again. Right. Does he explicitly say that? He's got to go see Yoda? I think so. Uh, And then uh, what else is going on at that point? Do we find out they're building another Death Star yet? I don't think so. But whatever, it ends with like just sort of in the middle of the story with a bunch more stuff to answer. Yeah. Uh, but not even answer, just more story to conclude. So it doesn't really, it never, I don't know if it ever really leaves me with like a, oh, what's going to happen kind of feeling. Like end of Back to the Future 2 does where I'm like, well, how, what the hell, oh my, so many questions. I, I can't wait to see the next episode. It's like, okay, it's over. And then uh, I'll watch the next one when it comes out. <laughs> like <laughs> it seems more serialized, I guess. Well, how did you feel about the cliffhanger at the end of The Force Awakens? What cliffhanger? Where Rey lands on the, you know, the water planet, island planet, whatever, and and she sees Luke. Mm. And she's going to hand him the lightsaber. And that yeah. as a Well, so, so you're right. That kind of ends in the same place Empire Strikes Back ends to yeah. me. Like, there's just more story to tell. Yeah. Like, Finn, Finn's unconscious. He'll, he'll come back. That's fine. You know, he'll wake up eventually. I had forgotten that Finn was unconscious. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's in a coma. And Ray has finally met Luke. So I'm just kind of like, ooh, I'm looking forward to what happens next. But I'm not like, like, I think it starts with more, or like a cliffhanger ending for that would have been like they see the map and she gets in the thing and uh, and it's like, let's go find Luke. And it ends there. Then maybe I'd be like, more of a cliffhanger but even then it's still kind of just like in the middle of the story doesn't there's no real cliffhanger it would be like if she got to the planet and the planet had been blown up by the death star or something like that that would be a great cliffhanger yeah like (laughs) then you're like oh my god 
this i have no idea where this goes next as opposed to <laughs> or she shows up and luke raises his hand and she starts choking <laughs> and it ends there then you're like whoa is he gonna kill her like what's happening <laughs> that would be a cliffhanger <laughs> yeah yeah they they we our expectations are completely uh are shattered that we don't know what happens next and there's nothing about the end of the force awakens that's really you know our expectations are shattered i know Lots of fans are, you know, read into how that, you know, that last minute and a half goes and, and are trying to see, oh, what does it tell us about Luke and Luke and Ray's relationship? And the answer is nothing. We know nothing about their relationship. It's just the next point in the story. And I guess, yeah, because I guess the big question of The Force Awakens is, is who who's Ray? Is she some is she related to a Jedi, basically? Like, is she Luke's kid? Is she? Uh, one of Han Solo's, like you know, kids from his like rogue days. Like, who's she related? Is she related to somebody, or is she just a new Jedi? And that's sort of the biggest question, I think. But it's not like a cliffhanger question. It's just something we don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. It is. It just happens to be something that we don't know, and and so in. I, I think it ends very similarly to Empire. I think it ends very similarly to Rogue One, actually, which you know there's there's more story after this, but but the story it, that it it's just that there's more story. We don't have a burning question that the ending leaves us with. Yeah, there is no there is no person hanging at the edge of the cliff and us wondering, are they going to survive? Is how are they going to get out of this? It's it's just what's the next part of this story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, I remember Angel, and I can't remember what season this was, but one of the seasons, Angel gets put into a coffin and thrown into the ocean, which you mm. know, super bad for a vampire, and like he's mm-hmm. dropped to the very bottom of the ocean, and it's this, it's this great like, how do you, how's he gonna get out of this? What it's. It's a cliffhanger in in the traditional sense, yeah, and it, it it sticks with you because of that, as opposed to some of the other seasons, which kind of blur together for me because they they all fit together narratively. There was no there were no significant breaks. Yeah, and also doesn't at the end of season one, doesn't his office get exploded or something? Yeah, and then they move into the hotel or something. First, they move into just like her apartment for a while or something. Right, right. Yeah. That show got weird. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of like, you know, he just lives in the daytime but avoids the light. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what's your um, what's your favorite all-time cliffhanger then? My favorite all-time cliffhanger? Well, now that you've said it, I can't believe that I had forgotten... Um, the best of both worlds with mm-hmm. with TNG. Uh, I can't one, believe you forgot it either. I'm shocked. I uh, there's there's no excuses. I I can't forgive myself. Hmm. I think you know what Lost. Uh, for okay. all my mm. for all my problems with the TV show Lost, it at the end of season three it had such a great jump. So, so part of the narrative of Lost is told through flashbacks. Um, yeah. Throughout the throughout this series, you're you're seeing kind of the links between characters and how they connect to the island, uh, and how it connects to their past. And it's really a, a good narrative device that I love how they used. And at the end of season three, you they they throw us into the future. They give us a flash forward, 
And it was such a great moment because you didn't know, you didn't know that until, until almost the very end of it. But it was this great moment where I had no idea where the story was going. I had no idea how they were going to resolve the, 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 the conflicts of the season. I didn't know how the narrative was going to function from then on. It, it showed a willingness to break the show apart and, and put it back together in a new way that so few cliffhangers, I think, are willing to do. And so I, yeah, Lost Season three's finale was a great mm. cliffhanger for me. Hmm. And that I experienced in real time, so. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I never watched Lost, so I, it had no effect on me at all. But I think my favorite, I mean, I don't even know if it's really my favorite. It's hard to say. I think, like, Back to the Future 2 might be my favorite, but, um... Uh, <laughs> I think it's solid. One we haven't talked about yet, but one I remember being excited about was Deep Space Nine. I think end of season five, or I can't remember which one it is, but it's like there's a, a whole bunch of ships. The Dominion and the Cardassians are all coming to attack the station. Right. And it kind of ends there, if I remember correctly. But it ends with like, there's about to be a huge war. Yeah. And, you're, and then you spend the rest of the time between season five and six wondering how the hell they're going to get out of this. They're clearly going to lose, right? Like so, And I don't know how they even resolve it. I can't remember. But I think something about the wormhole aliens stop them or something. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Space magic. Yeah, so that one's pretty good. I just wanted to mention it because we haven't talked about DS9 yet, and I love DS9. But is that my favorite? I don't know. I don't think I could name one. There's too many that I love, but too many that... Like like uh, Kill Bill Volume One ends so beautifully with that. Does she know her daughter's still alive? Bomb being dropped. Sherlock season one ends so great with the the in the pool. That might might be my favorite because that in my in recent memory that's the one that's hit me the most. Because it was, I watched it and I was watching it like three in the morning, hmm. and it ended and I was like, oh man, and I looked at what time it was, and I was like, I should go to bed, but. I got to watch the beginning of season two, right? And I put it on, right? Like it <laughs> it hit me, like I had to find out what happened. And I had season two right there. And so I stayed up until like six in the morning watching all season two next. So like it hit me the most and kind of hooked me the most in recent memory. But I don't know if that's makes it the best. Eh, it's hard to say. I, I would point to that as one that I liked a lot and, and I thought was a lot of fun. And I think the, the difference for me is that not only should a cliffhanger be be fun and leave me in anticipation uh, and have have me desperately wanting the payoff, but it should, for me as a storyteller, leave me questioning how it's possible for the world to continue in the way that it used to. And, yeah. and, and that's why I think cliffhangers are so... Good cliffhangers are so rare because they they want to return to the status quo. They don't want to... They don't want to give you a brave new world because it's scary and the audience likes what's already there. Yeah. But mm. they're... Uh, suits... You, you, I know you don't watch Suits because it's a bad TV show, but it's it's about lawyers and one one of the main one of the main characters isn't actually a lawyer he's uh, he he didn't go to law school he just passes the the bar exam for people yeah 
and then he ends up becoming a lawyer and it's all about you know the cases that he gets into and but also the the story of him having to figure out you know how to hide the fact that he's not really a lawyer Mm -hmm. it sounds cooler than it ends up being an execution (laughs) yeah but one of the seasons ends with him quitting the law firm and going and working for uh, some startup company because he doesn't want to be a fake lawyer and risk going to jail anymore. And it's this like, oh, cool. Are they going to do this for the entire season? No. Oh, well, okay. Then they, they never pay it off. Then the end of the next season, he goes to jail. And, hmm. and that season, the se- he ends up spending the entire season in jail. And it's a new, it's a paradigm shift for the show. And cool. it's, it's a really cool move because it shows that they understand we have to change what we're doing if we're, if we're going to make these bold choices. Now, it didn't, it was bad, <laughs> but that's one of the risks you run, I think, when you're trying to craft a really strong cliffhanger is that your answer to the question might be unsatisfying to your audience. But I think I think storytelling needs to be more dangerous and mm. and yeah. yeah and and the bigger you bet on the cliffhanger the more amazing the payoff is or the more of a letdown the payoff is yeah yeah Moriarty's back oh or Moriarty's not back oh well yeah he's not back I guess darn I was hoping to find out how he was back yeah um like and that was that was a bit of a letdown but yeah like that that's why I think Back to the Future Two is one of my favorite cliffhangers. Yeah, because it does shift. The third movie shifts uh, the paradigm and goes to the old west, and it's yeah. now a cowboy movie. And you're like, "What? How? Why? The flying cars was in the last movie, and now we're in the west. This is weird." <laughs> like, but but it totally shifts it, which is why to me I love it because it shifts the paradigm uh, and tells a great story in the old west. But most a lot of people don't like it because it is no longer a back. To, it's not the same Back to the Future they're used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they lost some people, but they gained some. I don't know. I don't know. You decide. You decide for yourself if it's good. I. But but that points to the difference in what you and I look for in in a cliffhanger and storytelling than perhaps some other people do. Because I agree with you. Back to the Future Part Three is the best Back to the Future. Totally. Be you know, and I think you articulated exactly why. So. And we did. We articulated that in an entire episode on Back to the Future. <laughs> well, cool. Oh. Well, uh, I guess that brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah, and possibly, uh, possibly, um, the end of the style guide for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I, we're definitely going on hiatus right now uh, for a little bit because you're you're doing a bunch of work and I'm doing a bunch of work, and so. Uh, we're going to take a, a couple months off of the style guide and leave you with a cliffhanger and leave you in anticipation uh, as to when we're going to come back. Right, Steve? That's right. That's right. Or or whether we're going to come back changed uh, through through the experience. Although it's kind of a, a terrible cliffhanger when we articulate it exactly as the way we did. Well, our audience is too smart to be hooked by some silly cliffhanger. And now that they know all about cliffhangers, what could we do except for use a silly hook they already understand as a cliffhanger, right? Whoa, that's very meta. So I guess all I have to say is... That's it. I was trying to leave it as a cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually going to be the last line before the ding. (laughs) 